exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director Mitch Fortner. And welcome to the final Wildcat Insider for the 2023 calendar year. Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. The phone number is 537-1350. And, of course, A.J. Shaw is on our board as well. Uh, He'll take your phone calls if you want to make a question or comment. We'll talk K-State football as uh, a couple of vets on the defensive side of the football last week made their announcements on Friday that they will both be returning to K-State for a super senior season. Cats get a commitment from a defensive lineman out of the FCS. And we're, of course, going to take a look at K-State men's basketball, women's basketball, and some pretty cool news here in, uh, from uh, K-State baseball earlier today as well. Why a lot to get to. Again, the phone number 537-1350. We're on for the next two hours. K-State women's basketball tonight will be hosting Oral Roberts at Bramlage Coliseum. The K-State women still 12th in the nation. And they just picked up their 10th win of the year as they won uh, back on Saturday as Ayoka Lee earning uh, Big 12 Player of the Week honors for that victory. And we'll get you more details on that as well. But the K-State women against Oral Roberts at 6.30 per game at 6 on her sister station, uh, Sunny 102.5. Well, the reason this is the last Wildcat Insider for 2023 is a week from today is Christmas Day. A week from, two weeks from now, is New Year's Day. So the show will be off. So why is the last one for 2023? We we open up, unfortunately, though, with the rough news that came from yesterday in Bramwich Coliseum. Uh, one where, I mean, the, the house was packed with not just purple. Quite a bit of red there as well. K-State with one of the worst second halves in program history. Falls to Nebraska. They're stunned. By the Cornhuskers, 62-46. White, you've been doing this for a long time. Probably haven't seen too many second halves like that where you see the home team just go on such a drought, they only score 12 points. Well, especially a team, when you look at it, um, that on the season is averaging nearly 78 points a game, and that, of course, dropped a little bit um, with yesterday's performance. Um, I, I wrote this down, and I just, for whatever reason, I'm having a hard time getting it out of my head. They're up in the game 31-25. to 25. Nebraska, at that point, this would have been late in the first half and into the start of the second half, has a run of 27-10 to 10 to take a lead of 52-41 in case they could never, never get back in it. Miserable second half. That's the only way to say it. You can't mask it. Um, They were in the second half. This is crazy. Second half field goals, four for 25. Second half three-pointers. It it just, they, they were four for 30 from three in the game. Four for 30. It was just tough. They, they had 12 second half points, four made field goals. And just got hammered on the glass. It was oh, so frustrating. I mean, you're thinking at halftime, or at least I was, okay, this hasn't been great, but you're up three, 
Could have been seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there, but you're up three. At least you have the lead. Now let's go get a couple of things straightened out and uh, get after him in the second half. Was not to be. From the very first seconds of the second half, both teams, you could tell, were going to get to the basket, and they meant it. But it was Nebraska who had the early success and then captured the lead and never let K-State get back. Well, and Nebraska was just crushing threes. Yeah. Out of the gate, they had they hit seven. Meanwhile, Tyler Perry was hitting some first-half threes. Maybe that's what threw everything out of whack. Mm-hmm. He was hitting shots in the first half, and then, unfortunately, he just couldn't hit any in the second half. Nobody was hitting shots in the second half. But, I mean, mast for for Nebraska. Um, rink mast. I mean, I mentioned it last week, You know, a couple of days heading into – that game that that's a big guy that was on the Dutch national team with David Gasson mm-hmm. in the qualifying tournament for the Olympics. They know each other. That's a tough guard. Oh yeah. Because he has range. Not exactly and I mean going into the game, like Nebraska wasn't very good recently in, in stopping the two point bucket. Uh masked his his range hadn't really been a show off, but he can hit those kind of shots. And then he opens up hitting what, two of his first three shots from distance. It was like, all right, Nebraska, they came to play. They're going to be a tough out tonight. He is a unique player, isn't he? At 6'10 and nearly 250 pounds, left-handed. Um, he, he's a guy who, first and foremost for me, in watching film, watching games, and then being with the team as they watched film after the, the shoot-around on Saturday, or Sunday morning, uh, this was a guy that they said you cannot let him get going, uh, and or you know have the ball on the wing because he can do so many things with it. He's not a great athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but he knows how to play. He's a good screen setter, and he can hit open shots. And unfortunately for K State, um, in the game where K State may have had a little bit of an advantage early, he was making the three point shots at that time, and that kind of led to bigger and better things as Nebraska went on. They were really aggressive in the second half, though, weren't they? I mean, they were really getting uh, to the rim. They were playing inside out. They had, I mean, they they shot in the second half just thirty four percent, and yet because of of what they did in the rebounding, they just had so many second half opportunities. It could have been worse, honestly, had, had they made some second chance points or more second chance points than they did. It might have been worse, honestly, than sixty-two to forty-six. K State just how many how many times do you think K State had given them a, a second chance opportunity? Where when K State had the ball, they were one and done, yep. one and done, one and done, one and done. Well, and it also didn't help that you know Nebraska they sent Juwan. I mean, Juwan Gary became a tip try offensive rebound machine early in that second half. I think Nebraska had eight offensive rebounds in the. In the first half, I think that was the number. And then they get eight offensive boards in the first four and a half minutes mm-hmm. of the second half. And quite honestly, I mean, it didn't slow down a whole lot. I mean, it did slow down, but it was still a big number for Nebraska when they finished with 22 offensive rebounds. But I got to say, like, yes, that was frustrating. I heard the moans and groans from the fans, and I get it. I stayed silent, but I felt it inside. I was oh, like, for sure. okay, this is kind of getting irritating. We need to be more aggressive with box outs, be ready to rebound. When we got up shots – there was really nobody around to rebound. It was four-on-one in favor of Nebraska most of the night. We had to get tips. 
we had to tip it out if we wanted those offensive boards or, or else, you know, like, uh, you know, maybe Kaluma, if he was in the right spot or Gasson was in the right spot or Tyler went up and got a, got a really nice rebound at one point as well, but it had to be at the right spot. Nebraska was getting a lot of breaks on those offensive boards, but I, you know, I don't put that as my main factor of why K-State lost that game. Second chance points were 16 to 12. Mm-hmm. That truly wasn't the big difference in the game statistically, but it was a very frustrating part of the game. And there was a lot of frustrations in that second half. Drum Tang, like, I, I, I'm going to play this clip back. I believe it is the one I want here. Yeah, Nebraska was the better team. There wasn't a lack of motivation. You know, it wasn't a lack, lack of focus. Nebraska just kicked our butt. They just, second half, they just kicked our butt. They they found a chink in the armor, and they took advantage of it, and we didn't have an answer, and that's on me as as the coach. And so we will we will correct that. Yes, in areas like Nebraska did kick K-State's butt, and one of those areas was the offensive boards, but... I mean, Nebraska shooting the ball was 34.5%. They were 35% from three. They took a lot of threes. They hit 11 of them. That's a big number. I mean, but statistically, I mean, they only still scored 30 or 62 points. I mean, if you're K-State, you can definitely win a game when a team your opponent only scores 62 points. Sure. And probably every other night out, they're going to beat that team that only scored 62 points. It was just K-State... I think, in a way, just beat themselves. Frustration maybe sat in at some point on the whole team because nobody was making a shot in the second half. It didn't matter where it was from. Awkward-type layups heading to the hoop or wide-open threes, which Tyler is missing way too many of those. Shots weren't falling, and it doesn't matter if the team's having an average day or above-average day. If you're just not hitting shots, you're not going to keep up. So I... Just the missing the shots. And Tyler Perry said himself that happens in basketball. But I'm like, it does, but not that bad. It typically, for most teams at the power six level, not really any of them that you would consider a good team is going to have a night like that. It was just that bad. Well, let's kind of cut to the chase here, okay? Okay. Arthur Kaluma, Tyler Perry, and Cam Carter – went 9 of 38 from the floor. K-State is a team that gives up about 36 rebounds a game. Nebraska had 57. I think part of what Coach was talking about there was, because I, I, I think some people questioned you know, K-State from the standpoint of effort and what have you. I think this was more about execution or lack thereof. And it, you go back. Can you play that cut one more time? Sure can. Yeah. Let's listen to that one more time. Once again, the title is Nebraska, the better team. There wasn't a lack of motivation. You know, it wasn't a lack, lack of focus. Nebraska just kicked our butt. They just, second half, they just kicked our butt. They they found a chink in the armor, and they took advantage of it, and we didn't have an answer, and that's on me as as the coach. And so we will we will correct that. So the question is, what was the chink in the armor? That's the question, right? And do we have an answer? I think part of it might be, and I'm not the coach, we didn't get into specifics of that, but I do think that Nebraska hurt K-State on switches 
where they had the size advantage on the block because they were doing a good job of getting the ball inside and working inside out. Uh, how many times did you see on a switch, you know, Tyler Perry against Rink Mast yep. or, or yep. Joan Gary or something like that? And that was problematic. That is in part why they had 22 offensive rebounds. I don't know for a fact that that's what he's talking about, but that's just, you know, me looking at numbers and, and, and kind of thinking that that's where he's headed. You know, I'm sure we'll get more into that, you know, leading into the game on Thursday. Yep. I mean, K State was. Switching everything, yeah. At least it seemed like to me. Which is what they do, yeah. And and so, and Nebraska did take advantage of it. It wasn't all night, but it, or all day, but it certainly was more prevalent from my perspective, at least, in the second half of the game. Drum Tang did comment as well, not hitting threes in the second half. It just wasn't our night, man. I would have never thought we'd go 0 for 12. I didn't even realize we were 0 for 12 through the course because we were taking good shots. I thought they were good shots. I'll go back and look at it and see, but. Just wasn't going in, and uh, so the credit goes to them for what they did to us. And again, I mentioned earlier, you know, Tyler Perry mentioned that this just, as well as coach did, it wasn't their night, and, you know, this happens sometimes. It's basketball. You have bad nights. I mean, I think you use particular tones when you're talking about something that's bad. You know, in Tyler's way, he said it was a bad night. You know, he just used a normal tone, consider just a bad night will bounce back. But, I, I mean, to me, it was a – and I'm going to use a different tone here. It was a bad night for K-State shooting the basketball. 46 points, the third fewest by K-State in Bramlage Coliseum history. The, sec- the, the, the 12 second-half points were the second fewest in school history. Isn't that crazy? Period. Yeah. The, the lowest was 11 against Oklahoma State, 1992. And then K-State shooting 26.7% from the field was the lowest since 25% at Oklahoma. I'll never forget this game because it's the first time I was told, delete some tweets, you shouldn't be talking that way. I was losing it on social media. This changed me in a way uh, to how I don't really tweet a whole lot when things are negative. But there was the game at Oklahoma um, where K-State, I think, was the much must, the much better team. Like I don't know. I can't remember if that time Oklahoma was any good. I may be mixing up years, but um, Cat, Cats got smothered at OU in 2017. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, those were some uh, – that was a rough night. And I, I've seen the comparison online, like, you remember the two the, the 05-06 season, Woolies last year, and Nebraska comes in, and we can't do a thing against them. What happened the next game? K-State went to Allen Fieldhouse, Cartier, Martin, and the Cats win in Lawrence, and it's still the last time K-State went, won in Lawrence – I wouldn't go that far. I would not go that far. But I'm like at the point now, I'm like, you know, we've seen K-State play a lot of tough competition and play, you know, struggle on defense. And now I think they're getting better on defense. We've seen K-State score 80-something points and still lose a game against a good team. And we've seen K-State go to overtime many times. And they've played so many different types of games. I've seen them really gut it out, though. Or at least make a really good effort in the second half to make it close, threaten a little bit, like the Miami game. Mm-hmm. This is really the first time we saw K-State not compete in the second half and not have the fight, not have the effort, not have the home court advantage in the second half to go beat a Nebraska team. So now I've kind of felt like we've seen K-State do it all in a way. So I don't know, I just kind of feel like now game in and game out, not there is no guaranteed wins. No guaranteed losses, though. No guaranteed wins. 
Um, so it's like it's game probably, in, game out. Yeah. You're not sure what you're going to get. Maybe. Well, it's probably pretty well said. And I, you know, I guess I guess we'll just kind of say this a, a little bit here as we start to wrap up this first segment. In that, you know, a year ago we probably got a little bit spoiled uh, with with Keontae and Marquise and their ability to score in virtually any and every way. Right. It's a little bit tougher at times now. Um, but I, I, again, I don't want to overstate this or understate it. Yesterday was not good. The second half was really poor. Um, but I, I think for me, don't overreact, but yet you do have to react and, and, and say this was what it was. How do you get better, right? Because I think as we move forward, it, it's a pretty obvious statement, but it's so – uh, harder games are, are coming our way, you know. Um, I do think it was just a, a day where it kind of, in all honesty, and this happens in basketball. Basketball is a great game when you're scoring. It, it looks easy, right? It can be like pulling teeth when you're not putting the ball in the basket. And I think because of their inability to score in the second half as the second half went on, it affected them on the defensive end too, and the next thing you know, you're down big. Fair? Yeah. I after a while feelings got hurt. Yeah. And yeah. you could just see they didn't have the same juice in trying to guard and rebound. They were getting crushed on the glass. I'm not trying to debate that in any way, shape, or form. But I, I think they did compete in the first half in that vein. But as the second half wore on, and it didn't take a, a real long time, right, for Nebraska to capture the momentum in the game, and it was like there was like you're stunned, you know, you're 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 just down that you're down seven or eight points, and the next thing you know, it's fifteen, and then nineteen or whatever it was, um, and it just kind of swelled from there. And I'll end with this because there's a lot more about this game I really want to talk about. Maybe we'll we'll try to talk more about this at in the next hour at five ten. Um, because there's, you know, what I noticed in post game, I thought it was even though it was a loss for K State, was a really truly special moment um, that took place. Um, why did it have to be against Nebraska? I, I, I had <laughs> flashbacks of 2010 and Taylor Martinez running all over the Cats, and I'm leaving the game in the third quarter. Yeah, and I'm hearing, "Go Big Red," and at the end of that game, it was deafening. How loud it was! I was like, deep down, I know, I know you know the students and you know the players maybe don't know much about the old, the old rivalry, football, basketball, whatever. But that's now twice in the last meetings for football and basketball against Nebraska, where the road team is chanting, you know what? And it's sure. it's it kind of yeah. haunted my dreams, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, nothing about yesterday's second half, and you know. After that was much fun. If you're a Wildcat fan, I mean, it was a downer of a day. Um, the second half numbers were just frightening, frankly, um, and you just kind of have to hope. and And I think most people are looking at it this way. Jerome Tang's done a really good job in his time here. I think they believe in this guy, and why wouldn't you? And uh, he'll work, and they'll work to to get better and try to get it fixed. That's the way I choose to look at it. For sure. And And, and you know what? I get what you're saying, but when I got in that mode yesterday about, you know, the go big red thing and, you know, this sucks and all of that, you know what I referred back to, right or wrong, 
um, how much enjoyment I had uh, in the fourth quarter of that 38 to 9 win in Lincoln a few years ago. That's what I thought about. Sometimes it kind of evens out, yeah. right? It's just kind of what it is. Well, and but my optimism is still through the roof. I'm such a believer in Jerome Tang and the staff. Like, listen, <laughs> I, I'm going to get over this one pretty quickly. I, I'm coming on air. I'm, I'm tough. You know, I don't like to be that way, but I got to be tough about this. Got to be fair <laughs> about what I what I witnessed in Bramlage yesterday afternoon. And that that loss really sucked as a K State fan. It really did. Uh, I hope the Cats bounce back on Thursday against Wichita State. But I'm going to leave it on this, and, t- and we'll take a break and talk a little bit of football here. That was a gigantic win for Nebraska. Oh. That was that had to be their biggest win, potentially, non-con Fred Hoiberg era. I They're- think they went from the low to mid-70s to the high to, well, actually the mid to low 50s in the net. Okay. So it was a very, very big win for them in, in virtually every way. This is a program that's still trying to get over the hump. As in Fred Hoiberg, he's been getting them a little bit better, but they're not a tournament team. They really haven't been close in four years under just talking Hoiberg. But now it's like, I was, you know, we talked a lot of Nebraska last week. Like, this is like, okay, after that win, I can guarantee you the fan base is now thinking we might have ourselves a tournament team. This might be the team that kind of – Get us over the hump, and maybe we could be good at basketball. You know, it's that kind of win for Nebraska. It, it, they are so optimistic right now. Yeah, because in in their eyes, and I saw the you know the I radio know crew talking w- about it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I t- I talked to the radio guys yesterday. I've known Ken Pavelka for a long, yeah. long time, and Jake Muleheisen's a, a nice young man and was a nice player for them and all of that. And I said, man, you guys are playing pretty well right now. And he said, Ken, Ken, I'm not trying to make light of it in any way. But he says. Did you see the the Creighton game? <laughs> so, they got smoked by Creighton. Well, yeah. but Creighton also made 14 threes. Yeah. You know, and they made and two of 22. In the they had, yeah. yeah, they'd been laying in the weeds for them for a year, right? But, well, anyway, it, it is what it is, I guess. But uh, I, I look at it like this. Again, going back to Coach Tang, he's talking about, you know, he'll fix it. Uh, you go up from here, right? I mean, I don't know that it's any lower than K-State finished the game yesterday, one for their last 16 from the floor. And that and that's maybe the way you should look at it. Let's let's go from here. I don't think K State got to double figures in the second half until about two minutes to go. That's about right. Yeah, yeah. it was a struggle. All right, we take a timeout again. Cats losing Nebraska, sixty-two to forty-six. When we come back, a couple of cats on the defensive side of the field for football are coming back for their super senior year. I couldn't be more happy about it. We'll talk about that next on the on uh, Wildcat Insider. So, AJ, uh, apparently felt like this show needs a little bit more cowbell. <laughs> BOC, do you know that reference? I absolutely do know that reference. Okay. I am not out of touch with reality. <laughs> You're sure of that? I am Just definitely kidding. sure of that. Okay, okay. Saturday Night Live, Christopher Walken. Yep. Will Told Ferrell. Will Ferrell it ruined his career. Who said that to Will Ferrell? Christopher Walken did. Wow. I'm going to say he did not ruin his career on that. Will Ferrell had one of the best Saturday Night Live uh, auditions I think I've ever seen. Hilarious. Him and um, Jimmy or uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon. His was really, he just did impressions. He's a very good uh, impressionist. I don't know. Is that what you call him? It was really good. Really huh. funny. You big Saturday Night, Live, Saturday Night Live guy, Wyatt? I was at one time. I'm okay. not really anymore. Uh, I, I, If I'm being honest, I hardly ever watch anymore. But I, I'm old enough to 
to tell you that it weren't when it first came on the air, it didn't take me long to it was just something young people of my generation watched. I mean, it's just Saturday night or not. You know, you took time to watch it and then go out. Any of the best clips anymore, any of the best skits, you'll you'll see them go viral online and everybody will talk about it. That's the thing. Like, that's why I say, like, ratings, like TV ratings aren't really as big as what they used to be. Like, they weren't as important as what they used to be. Uh, You know, maybe in sports it's a different story, but, like, TV shows and stuff like that. Like, Saturday Night Live is a good example where a clip can just go viral and everybody's talking about it more than just the actual show. But I used to be a little bit into it as well, but not quite anymore. I was a big mad TV guy growing up. There's a Fox yeah. version of Saturday Night Live. Right. Yeah, I, I, I go back to that original cast, and, and some of those people were probably as good as, as you possibly could get, whether it's, you know, Bill Murray, John Belushi, you know, Chevy Chase. I mean, there's so many. It's Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Gilda Radner. I mean, you just keep going on and on. It's just insane. Okay, so they might be coming in here. Guys, we have some breaking news. The Jingle Bell Rock has been found. Jingle Bell Rock has been found after 11 clues. Bring them on in. Let's bring them in. We're going to talk to them live on air right now during Wildcat Insider. (laughs) They're warning that I'm here. (laughs) How you doing? Heads up, guys. We are live on air as we speak. So come on in and uh, and grab a chair. We have two live microphones. Go ahead and have a seat, and uh, we'll get to know you. We got to hear the details on what it took, what it to find the Jingle Bell Rock. Let me give him this chair. Yeah, come on in. Totally fine. Totally fine. You go ahead. All right. Who are we speaking with? Hi, my name is Christina Brown. Um, this is Jeremy, Hannah, and Ray Lynn. Well, you are the winners of the Jingle Bell Rock this year, the G. Thomas Jewelers, Godfrey's Ranges, and High V Jingle Bell Rock. So, congratulations! Thank you very much. Where are you guys from? Uh, we're from Junction City. How long have you been hunters? Um, for about, I don't know. We we say ten years. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever felt like you've been close to finding it? <laughs> um, so the year that you hunted, uh, you hid two rocks. Uh-huh. Um, I missed the first one. But the second clue had something to do with due west of where the first clue was, which put me at the Manhattan sign. Um, I just didn't walk far enough down the hill. Okay. Wow. Yeah. But you found it this year, and it's worth literally thousands of dollars in cash and prizes. Um, So opposite of popular belief, everybody feels like everybody in the station knows where the rock is. That is untrue. We have no (laughs) clue where it's at. Sure. We kind of play along with everybody else. We just don't talk about it on air. So, where was the cl- where was the rock this year? Uh, so the rock was in the Dry Creek bed in between the Manhattan High Stadium and the baseball stadium, um, on the flagpole side okay. of the upright. Know exactly what you're Creek. talking about. Yeah. Wow. Now, was yeah. anybody around when you found it? Because we've heard so many stories of we get later on in the clues, and clues can get as if it's been going on for weeks. Clues basically just point you right to where the rock is, <laughs> yeah. and you'll see. Tens, if not hundreds of people in the same area looking for the rock. Was anybody around? When- um, yeah, there were maybe half a dozen, ten people, like, walking around just trying to find where the rock was hidden. So did you find it, or did somebody uh, so with who you're with find it? He and I were working together um, with the clues and the legwork. So, yeah. She had me in the creek. <laughs> <laughs> had to do the dirty work. <laughs> I almost missed it. I almost 
I was looking and I just started to step away and just kind of caught the glimmer really under the leaves. Wow. So, so what, what's that? Let me bring this microphone up here a little closer. So what's it like when you're getting close and you kind of get that feeling that it's here? I just got to find it. Was, right, right into that I microphone if you don't mind. very antsy, just yeah. nervous. Just yeah, <laughs> sure, because you know you're close. That night's kind of cold. Yeah. <laughs> well, this time, yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> well, I mean, but she had been so close. You mentioned, I mean, 10 years you've been trying to find this rock, and uh, so when you found it, you picked it up. You knew exactly what it was. What was Because you knew people were around. What was the reaction? Um, put it under your jacket and let's go back to the car. <laughs> and that's what it was. Exactly. <laughs> So then you contact the people at the station and say, I've got it? Um, Is that how yeah, that works? actually I did. I called the radio station and I said, hey, I think I found the rock. And I don't know why I said I think because, I mean, it's got all the logos <laughs> right. um, on it. But I didn't want to be, you know, too cocky about it. And um, he, he asked when I could come in and I said later this afternoon and we just set up a time to come in. So Awesome. That's incredible. How do you feel now? Um, I relieved, joyous, all well, of the above. Yeah. I mean, I can't even, I'm so <laughs> thankful for all the sponsors. When you look at all the yeah. things that you receive for, I mean, 11 clues, like it, I can't believe it. Yeah. It's impressive. I can't remember how many years you guys have been doing this. Do you remember that? Boy, Close? that might be a sweet question. 30 ish. Yeah. Over, over 30, 30 years. Yeah. And I'm they've 33. Doing, I've been here 22. So I, I know they've been doing it that long for sure. Yeah. So are you guys originally from around here? Um, we are both military transplants, okay. I guess you could say, um, but we live in Junction City. Okay, so yeah. where did you both come from? How, how did you, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure you, if you're military <laughs> transplants, you've been all over the place. Um, so my dad was in the military and I was in the military, so we've kind of been all over the world. Okay. And his dad was in the military and he was in the military, so he's kind of been all over the world. Um, but... I think he's been in the area for about 25 years. I've actually been here, went to high school in Junctions. I've been here since 1990 in Junctions. Okay. And I've been here since 93. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Well, thank you for your service, first of all. Where have you been stationed? Um, I've been stationed in Korea, um, Fort Sam Houston, which it's not that anymore. Um, Fort Jackson. He's been to Bosnia. Wow. Um, yeah. Fort Knox and Fort yeah. Leonardwood. Wow. Yeah. But we've been everywhere. So. Have you been, uh, have you received your prizes yet? I don't know when we do all that, but. Um, yeah, we've seen the, the happy package there that you have for us. <laughs> Any plans with uh, the winnings or are you just going to I think whenever? we just need time to soak it all in. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's been very overwhelming. So. I kind of felt like that's what you were going to say because it, it does – it does. I mean, you want to explore that, right? Absolutely. What do we got? What, what's all in here, right? Absolutely. Well, and as long as I've been – so I've been here at the station now over 11 years and – because I know many people hunt for it. I think there's only been one time we've had a repeat winner. Really? It's been that – Is that re- right? That, I mean, that's just a sign of how many people hunt for it. But also how hard it is. Like, okay, you may think you have it down. You 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 figured out any sort of riddle you think is in the clue, and then guess again, you know, or you know, it, you never know year in and year out where the clues are going to take you. I'm not very good at figuring out the clues. Whoever writes them does an excellent job, and I say it every year. Who finds the rock has to be much smarter people than I am because, <laughs> like you said, you found it 
by Seco, right? Mm-hmm. Or in Seco. Mm-hmm. I would have been on the opposite side of the town. You would have? I, I would have been probably over here or uh, more towards the river or something. I would have been lost. See, hmm. see, I would have been the same way as you, Mitch, only I probably would have just lost motivation halfway through. So congrats to you guys for I mean, persi- you. staying persistent, and uh, you're going to have a lot of fun, I think, this holiday season. So congrats. Thank you very much. Yeah, congratulations once again, and I'm sure I'm sure there's more people around here that want to talk to you. So thanks for stopping by, and once again, congratulations on finding the Jingle Bell Rock. Thank you. It's nice you, meeting you. Do you girls want to say hi? Oh, come <laughs> okay. on now. Come on, just just lean over there and say hello. <laughs> just one time. They don't want to do it. That's all right. But That's once again, right. congratulations. I'm sure, yeah, you're going to be going around stations to talk more about the Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah. Jingle Bell Rock has been found, anybody, so. Congrats, you guys. Thank Great you. To see you. G- congratulations. G. Thomas Jewelers, Godfrey's Ranges, and High V Jingle Bell Rock has been found for 2023. We'll take a break. We'll continue more with Wildcat Insider coming up next. All right, we continue on with uh, regularly scheduled programming. Wildcat Insider on K-Man, Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Let's get to the football news. First of all, Chris Kleiman had a press conference on Friday, and it was just basically, you know, hey, let's cover the latest details about K-State football, maybe cover some ground on why student-athletes will be jumping into the portal, just kind of listed the reasons, how K-State is going to get better with NIL effort, maybe to hopefully down the road avoid I, I, maybe I don't want to mention names because it maybe you know it could be just a speculation. We'll know for sure, but um, you know from a student athlete that might be uh, you know tampering may be involved, and uh, a student athlete who maybe would have stuck around then decides, oh, there's some money out there, I'm going to go get that money instead. K State wants to be able to compete a little bit more in those kind of situations, uh, but also, and I remember talking to Austin Moore about this. For him and like others, the question was brought up to the players that came in for that presser. Are you going to be a cat next year? Variations of that question. Not as blunt as that. Mm -hmm. But um, Austin Moore did address it. And he was, you know, he's like, you know, I I still have a decision to make. Um, Been thinking about it. Uh, I've made up my mind. I'm just not sure when I'm going to announce it. And then I made the follow-up question, you know, what specifically was the debate in your head? Was it to stay at K-State? Was it to go to the NFL or try to get to the NFL or transfer? He's like, no, it's just either to stay here or professional football. I was like, yeah, completely understand. But it sounded like he wasn't going to make a decision for a while. It was probably an hour later that he, that he said, going to stick around for K-State one more year, final year of, of eligibility, let's do this. Brendan Mott, almost at the exact same time, defensive end, Austin Moore, weak side linebacker, both decided they're going to stick around for a super senior year. So, again, I, I and I stress that if you're upset about how many have jumped into the portal and all that, even though there have been a few surprises, don't sweat that. Cats always do a great job in the portal of bringing guys in. They're going to have a strong recruiting class. Even though they've had some misses, they, sh- they have. Um, but they're going to still have a good recruiting class. Um, but I do love that Mott and Moore – Decided to stick around. First of all, with Mod, I mean, a defensive end, you're already missing three in the four rotation that are, you know, going to move on and for their own reasons. You know, for instance, Nate Matlack is in the portal. He's going to pit. Um, Mott's going to stick around. He has been not the top guy, but one of the top guys in tackles and tackles for loss the last couple of years. Austin Moore, however. Boy, has he really jumped on the map the last two years as not just a great linebacker, 
in my opinion, one of the best players in the Big 12. And that's also a guy that is top two the last two years tackles for loss. Guy that's going to help you in the run game, make tackles in the backfield. And by the way, leadership, older guy. Yeah, without a piece. Key piece. Well, here's what I will say. A few thoughts, okay? First of all, to have Austin Moore and Brendan Mott back is superb uh, in virtually every way. Both are good young men. Both are good players. Both have lots of experience. And if you go back and and you reference Coach Kleiman's presser the other day, I'm going to just say this. This will sound like I'm a little bit of a cheerleader, and I don't mean it to be that way. I try to be, you know, pro K State always, but but be able to look at all of the situations, you know, in a professional manner, right? But it was impressive in from my view, in terms of what he said about transfer portal, how it works, where K State stands on those types of things and name, image, and likeness. He did not shy away from the fact that there were a couple of guys that were leaving that they didn't want to have go, but we've said this before on this show and others. I I think it's obvious, even to the fan base, that K-State has far benefited from the transfer portal than has been hurt by it over the course of time. This hasn't been a long stretch, a long big window, but... I mean, it's been a couple of years now for sure, right, for, for how this has gone. And I, I think they've to have these two guys back in relation to what I think they're going to get in addition to this, whether it's portal, whether it's recruiting, because, again, next Wednesday we're going to have another press conference where he, he talks about that recruiting class. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good recruiting class. Um, so... I thought he did a really good job of saying, hey, look, this is an imperfect sit- – and I'm paraphrasing now. This is a hard situation to be in because it's so all over the map. But, hey, you make it work, right? You have to make it work. You know you're going to lose guys going in. You just do. But you're going to get some back. You hope to retain the guys that you want to have back, and you accept the fact that there are going to be some guys that get into the portal because of – of one, more opportunity to play somewhere else, B, financial, and C, in in some cases, it it is no more than just maybe it is better for me to maybe go down a level. And when I mean, I don't mean FCS necessarily, but I mean a little bit to to be able to see the field somewhere, right? I mean, Treshawn talked about, and I'm not saying he's probably a bad example because he's a really solid player, but you know he wanted to be the number one guy. Sure did somewhere. Yeah. It, it didn't matter where necessarily, but he ends up at BC and he he'll probably be the the number one uh, option there. So good for him. That's okay. And by the way, I mean this 2024 class. I believe now with you know Travis Bates. If you haven't heard Austin P. Defensive end that has committed to the Cats. He is an FCS All American, fourth team All American. Um, had five sacks his previous year, or five and a half tackles for loss. And three sacks. Uh, Phil Steele had him as a fourth-team freshman All-American. And uh, K-State just picked him up. He's the 14th member of the class, second transfer guy. The class is still building. We're two days away from the signing day, yep. the early signing period. Uh, you know, if you look at the rankings, it's not going to be a high ranking, really, for K-State. And that's, I mean, 
not too often does K-State have a high ranking when it comes to the recruiting services and how they rank all 132 FBS teams or anything like that. But, I mean, if you if you really do like the recruiting services, I mean, K-State, six of those 14 people have at least a four-star rating from one of those services. Which is excellent. Yeah. I mean, that you know, Blake Barnett's going to be you – know, that's a pretty good quarterback pickup. I, I'm a big fan of, you know, a lot of people were bent out of shape by Michael Boganowski picking Oklahoma over K-State as the number one player in Kansas. Well, one of the services had him as the number one player. Some have Caden Massey, who is coming to K-State, who's an offensive lineman, as the number one player in the state of Kansas. I think it's fair to say that Kleiman, in back-to-back years, has picked up the number one player in the state of Kansas. Well, not only that, but they've done a very good job of getting a majority, I'll, I'll call it a majority, of, of the top ten kids in, in the state. I think that's where you start, mm-hmm. really. Um, then when you – I mean, there are others that, that come along. I mean, you, you talked about uh, – the get that they got, you know, with with the uh, with the portal, uh, with an FCS kid, FCS kid uh, defensive end, um, that that I he's got to step right in and help, right? I mean, that's yeah. and that's what you want, you know, that that's what you really want. But I, I can't stress enough, just from a structure standpoint and a leadership standpoint, toughness standpoint, and performance standpoint, how big it is to have both Moore and Mott back. That's that's big deal. We take our final break of the hour. When we come back, a couple of cool uh, pieces of news for K-State baseball that I want to make sure we mention when we come back. Things I wanted to touch on baseball real quick. Haven't talked really any K-State baseball so far this year, but of course the spring schedule as well is a much tougher one than we've seen in previous years. That's been, of course, a goal for Pete Hughes because of the ORPI situation in the NCAA tournament this past season. Uh, wanted to mention the three teams have been determined on who K-State will play at the MLB Desert Invitational in Scottsdale, Arizona. Opening day for the Cats, February 16th. That's a Friday at 7 o'clock. We'll be taking on Cal out of the Pac-12. The next day, Saturday, 1 o'clock against Boston College. And then they'll play Georgetown. That's Sunday at 1 o'clock on the 18th before they're uh, going to go to Arizona State and then come home for their home. Boy, this is an early, early home series to start out the home schedule against Holy Cross, February 23rd, 24th, and 25th. So, And then the other... Probably be better weather then than it will in mid-March or late March. (laughs) (laughs) You know, funny as it is, sometimes it works out that way. Exactly. And then the final piece of news, and I thought this was really cool, and honestly it doesn't surprise me at all, uh, MLB Pipeline put out its top... Um, I think 30 teams earlier today, and they have projected Kalen Culpepper, K-State third baseman the last couple of years since he was a true freshman, has been projected to be a first-round draft pick in the 2024 MLB draft, which is coming up in July. So that's He's a just, talent. Yeah, that's just one of many reasons to expect K-State to be a really good player. I mean, D1 Baseball was talking about how K-State could potentially be, and I hope I'm getting this right, a top 25 team. Wow. All right, we take a break. Hour two of Wildcat Insider. We'll get a preview from Wyatt on the Wichita State Shockers. Talk about that defensive lineman commit. More of Wildcat Insider is next on KMAN. What? You want more? You got more. More of the game coming up next on News Radio KMAN, Manhattan.